Welcome to The Markets. Hello again, Orion Samuelson with you on this 31st day of July as we continue to move through this unusual summer season. But it was quite a day on Wall Street as the NASDAQ jumped more than 1%, powered by strong earnings from some of the largest U.S. companies. However, the Dow and the S&P did end the day with smaller gains as uncertainty about the government aid for the coronavirus pandemic kept the economic worries on the radar. But listen to this. Apple shares surged 10.5% to close at a record $425.04 in the wake of blowout quarterly results and a four-for-one stock split announcement. And then the other technology stocks, Amazon, gained 3.7% after posting its biggest profit ever, while Facebook jumped 8.2% after the social media platform blew past revenue expectations. And finally, Google parent Alphabet fell 3.3%, the biggest drag on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ as it posted the first quarterly sales dip in 16 years. But here's what one analyst had to say. The results were just fabulous, just so strong. These are extremely profitable companies, and they produce products that people want. The four companies are among the top five in market capitalization, They represent roughly 20% of the S&P 500's total. And then back to Apple. Its gain pushed it ahead of Saudi Aramco as the world's most valuable public company. The White House and Democrats during the day were still negotiating on coronavirus relief aid, but not yet on a path toward reaching a deal. That's according to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi hours before the expiration of the federal unemployment benefit. It seems like they are far apart, and supposedly they are working at it, and there is a lot of name-calling, and as usual, there is a lot of bad blood between these two parties, and they have to come to... uh, some resolution to this situation uh, fairly soon because there are people who are going to start missing that weekly check. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 114 points for the day. The S&P 500 gained 24, make it 25 points, uh, closing at 3271. And the NASDAQ composite added 157 points to uh, 10,745. It was a choppy session with each major index moving up and down during the day. The Dow at one point fell more than 1% in late trade. Stocks moved higher into the close as Microsoft shares cut losses of more than 2% after the company was said to be in talks to buy video app TikTok. And Kansas City Southern also provided a late boost, ending the session 
nearly 10% higher after the Wall Street Journal reported a group of buyout investors were considering a takeover bid for the rail operator. But then on the downside, the U.S. deaths from COVID-19 appeared to be rising at their fastest rate since early June, and the Midwest looked like the current epicenter of the pandemic. The benchmark index is now about 3.4% shy of its February all-time high, but faltering macroeconomic data and rising COVID-19 cases in the U.S. were making investors once again cautious. But still, the S&P notched its fourth weekly gain in the past five weeks and the fourth straight month of gains with lift from the massive fiscal and monetary stimulus measures to help the U.S. economy during the pandemic. But for the week, the S&P 500 gained one and three quarter percent, the Dow dropped 15 hundredths of a percent, and the Nasdaq climbed three and two thirds of a percent. For the month, the S&P up five and a half percent, the Dow up two and a third percent, and the Nasdaq rallied nearly six and three quarters percent. Energy stocks were the worst performing among the 11 major S&P sectors after Chevron reported an $8.3 billion loss on asset write-downs, and ExxonMobil Corporation recorded a second consecutive quarterly loss. Caterpillar fell 2.8% after the bellwether economic activity offered little signs of improvement in equipment sales. So uh, that's what happened uh, during this week on Wall Street, and uh, uh, we'll take a look at oil futures today at the end of the market. U.S. crude oil futures settled at $40.27 a barrel, and that was up 35 cents a barrel, a little more than three quarters of a percent. So that's a look back. Let's take a look ahead at uh, what kind of an exciting week we're going to have here on Wall Street and globally as far as the markets are concerned. The uh, NASDAQ surge on mega cap earnings, but fiscal uncertainty still nags the market. And that uh, is also the situation on the global market activity today as we continue to be plagued by the COVID-19 and we continue to be plagued by the Republicans and the Democrats on Capitol Hill who can't seem to get along on everything these days. And so, as they do, that means the... uh, Uh, wage earners are going to continue suffering and hurting. Some uh, international activity this coming week. The uh, Canadian manufacturing activity data for July is due on Tuesday. Trade balance data for June is slated to be released on Wednesday, and it's expected to have widened to... uh, a billion Canadian dollars in June. 
And Canadian Tire Corporation is expected to post declines in second quarter profit and sales Thursday of this coming week, likely hurt by weak traffic at its stores and lower credit card spending. Investors will be on the lookout for comments from executives of the company about what they see in the future because of the activity that we currently are having. And then what about earnings reports here in the United States? Well, the Institute for Supply Management is scheduled to release its index of national factory activity. It's likely to have risen to a reading of 54 in July after a 52.6 rise in the previous month. Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard is scheduled to speak on the U.S. economy and monetary policy. That will come before the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis Memphis branch virtually event. Just about all of our meetings uh, this week uh, are no longer face-to-face, but they're by uh, virtual uh, getting together of the executives, but not getting together face-to-face. The Institute for Supply Management scheduled to release its index of national factory activity and the uh, factory orders data due for release on Tuesday, likely to have risen 5% in June after rising 8% in the previous month. The ADP National Employment Report on Wednesday, expected to show private payrolls fell to a million two hundred fifty thousand in July. That would be down from two million, uh, or I should say, up from two million three hundred sixty-nine thousand last month. And the goods trade data deficit due on the same day, likely to have dropped to fifty and a third billion dollars in June after a $54.6 billion decline in the previous month. Uber Technologies expected to post a decline in second quarter revenue on Thursday as the ride-hailing business suffered due to lockdowns imposed to combat the spread of the pandemic, and investors will be on the lookout for any commentary around its outlook and its eats business after Uber said earlier this month it would buy Postmates to expand its food delivery market share. And uh, later on in the week, Walt Disney expected to report a slump in third quarter revenue on Tuesday because of the pandemic. Just about every down move is because of the pandemic. On Saturday, Berkshire Hathaway, the conglomerate run by Warren Buffett, expected to release second quarter results and operating businesses to curtail operations, resort to layoffs, and so the Berkshire will likely post a large net profit because of unrealized gains in its stock holdings. And then what about the COVID-19 situation? Well, we're taking a look at the uh, Moderna company, 
And that's the company with the experimental coronavirus vaccine that's being tested in a large human study. It's due to report its second quarter results on Wednesday. An investor focus will be on any news on timeline or timeline of the vaccine, along with any details on Moderna's pricing plan. CVS Health Corporation expected to report second quarter earnings on the same day, and investors will focus on the company's health insurance business. That's expected to get a boost from canceled non-urgent surgeries due to the pandemic. And Humana expected to report second quarter results before the markets opened. Investor focus will be on the impact on its medical loss ratio from the pandemic. So once again, there'll be plenty of activity to watch. Oh, there's one more, too, that'll get a lot of attention in the coming week. Beyond Meat, the plant-based meat maker expected to record a loss for the second quarter On Tuesday, several of its restaurant partners had to reduce operations or shut stores due to the pandemic, and investors will pay attention to the company's plans on retail expansion, as rival Impossible Foods now sells its products in over 8,000 supermarkets in the United States. And finally, Walmart stores, yes, they'll be in the news next week as well. And uh, investors will be watching the company's plans on retail expansion as Rival Food sells its products in over 8,000 supermarkets in the United States, including 2,000 Walmart stores. Wendy's company expected to post declines in second quarter results and sales as that fast food chain had to limit dine-in services again due to the pandemic. Uh, When can we finally quit talking about the pandemic? I guess as soon as we find a vaccine and find out what we're going to be paying for it, so we're working on that. We'll take a look at the agricultural community when we continue on the markets. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation Foundation is here to help. Right now, we are going to dig into the markets and to help us understand everything that's going on. Joining us is Garrett Toy from Ag Trader Talk. Garrett, we saw crop conditions jump up this past week. Is there more room to go on the upside? What have you seen? Well, it, it certainly was a surprise that set the tone for the trade for, for most of the week. And it, it basically told the market that last week's rains across Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio uh, did more for the crop than what we thought. You know, we, we all saw the radar last week. We saw the rains coming. I don't think anyone really expected, you know, the trade was looking for a steady to 1% improvement. Nobody really saw a 3% improvement in corn or bean conditions. And to see that kind of a, that big of a jump this late in the season, um, it with even with China around in the market, it 
firmly shifted the focus back to supply. Well, and so and I think the oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say with the supply question being overhead, are we still seeing this crop growing? Are folks still thinking above trend line yield? Absolutely. I mean, you look at where the condition indices rate, um, you know, it implies a 180, 181 type national yield at this point. I think the biggest surprise is in soybeans because, you know, we're top five uh, condition ratings for this week. So that actually implies a national bean yield of around 40, uh, excuse me, 51.5 bushels. So that's a couple bushel more than what the USDA is at. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, I, I haven't really liked price action in soybeans. We haven't been able to push about much above $9 and the no over nine ten. Um, you know, something was keeping a lid on this market. And, and I think it might be that the ideas of these bean yields growing um, with a you know cool start to August here uh, kind of keeps a damper on things. It does. But, you know, the other side of the ledger, of course, is demand. And this past week, particularly on the corn side, we saw demand come back into the picture. Ethanol production ticked up. In fact, highest in 12 or 13 weeks, I believe. Highest in 12 or 13 weeks. We're still only running about 90 percent of capacity of where we were pre-COVID shutdowns. So we're not there yet. Um, you know, I think, you know, we're trying, you know, the ethanol industry is trying to recover from a, a, a fairly serious injury, you know, from this from this COVID shutdown. And and I think USDA next year is a little bit uh, over optimistic for, for corn for ethylene, uh, excuse me, corn for ethanol demand, because I think, you know, you look at the EIA estimates, they're looking for a 10 percent uh, decline in gasoline demand next year, largely due to COVID more people working from home, remoting in, you know, less gasoline demand. That's not bullish corn for ethanol. So that hurts. But I think the big thing is, is, you know, seasonally, I mean, yeah, we're focusing on crop, we're, we're transitioning into harvest. There's demand out here. I mean, we, this week we had another sale to China um, and they seem to be under the market, but you know, the focus is getting the crop in the bin at this point, and, and then we can see where demand goes from there. You know, on the corn side of things, how should producers be handling their marketing this summer? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously, with the clock is ticking on old crop corn, I think most of them are doing a pretty decent job. Uh, we did see some earnings reports this week from some of the ABCs, and they're showing, you know, the farmer selling, in their opinion, is 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 well under historical values. Um, they estimated new crop sales around 7%. Typically, it's around 15%. Um, I think the producer... Um, with the COVID issues, I think they need to be focusing on downside risk here still in the harvest, especially. You mentioned the demand for corn. We're particularly seeing China step in and make some large purchases in new crop. Are they going to step in and make equally large purchases in the soybean market? I believe so. I mean, there's been a lot of questions around phase one uh, and whether they're going to fulfill the phase one. I don't know if they're going to reach those kind of targets. But the fact of the matter is, is the fundamentals for Chinese soybean demand is strong. Um, they've had record crush, counter-seasonal record crush on a weekly basis for the last six weeks. You know, I was a little concerned considering all the soybeans that were coming out of South America that they were hitting their shores, that you're going to see them pre-stockpiling ahead of the U.S. harvest. But you what you look at the port stocks data, and, the, and that data is, you know, those stocks are starting to decline, not only in soybeans, but also in soybean meal. So uh, it tells me that the demand is there, and they're they're in the process of, of rebuilding their sow herd. They're about four to six weeks away from their key uh, top uh, uh, pork consumption time periods, and uh, it, the crush margins are counter-seasonally strong. So as long as you know the South Americans are out, they're out of soybeans, we're the only place for it. Um, we're, we're $20 a ton cheaper than anywhere else in the world, um, and I think that 
you know, the, the, the Chinese are going to at least buy, at this point, 24 million metric ton out of the U.S. The, a lot of that's going to be done out of the Oknovdis timeframes. You know, you're seeing this, 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 this uh, um, you know, forward booking. A lot of this old crop sales are going to get rolled over to new crop, in my opinion. Um, but I think we're back to more normal time periods of, of Chinese purchasing and, 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 and buying history. So with the idea that Chinese demand is going to continue to accelerate in the bean market and that we still have really the entire month of August ahead of us, how should producers be preparing to market their fall harvested beans? Well, just because we have Chinese demand out of the market doesn't mean that we have to ignore seasonals. And, and harvest is coming. And, um, you know, the, the thing about it is, is it's, this is still a weather market in soybeans. We're getting into August time periods. You know, the 3% improvement in conditions this week, that 51.5, that's 80 million bushel that we added, you know, could add to the, the, to the, the balance sheet if the USDA prints that number. So uh, it's no small feat. And, you know, that could potentially offset some of these Chinese demand. You know, the, like, like I said, the, I don't like the fact that no beans are struggling to push above 9, 9, 10, that area. But with this Chinese demand around in this market, you're seeing better than average cash basis. So, you know, where I'm located, northwest Illinois, the river bid in November is option. You're going to see a better option bid, but the futures price may not reflect it. So perhaps it might be behoove you to, to look at locking in some basis. I'm not one to roll basis contracts forward, um, but you know at least take advantage of what the market is giving you right now. Make the sales when you can, not when you have to. Exactly right. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here to help. Our thanks to Mike Pearson and uh, Troy for that look at the agricultural markets. But now let's look more closely at some agricultural activities, as if we didn't have enough on our platter with COVID-19 and with the economy getting hit hard by the shutdowns. We now have to watch for another hurricane because there's one brewing in the Gulf. And then an unusual story in the marketplace this week, a story that says, what to do if you get strange seeds in your mailbox from China. That's the latest thing we have to worry about, and I've received two stories among quite a few on my computer this week. So let me quickly answer the question on the strange seeds that are coming without having been ordered, and what are they? And what is the thing to do with those strange packets of seed? And the letters that I've gotten from people talking about the gift of seeds that they're receiving that they never ordered, but that seem to be coming from China and the Solomon Islands. And so what do you do if you get those seeds and they come to your name and your address? What do you do with them? Well, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has a very simple answer. Two parts. Number one, if you get a packet of seed with your name and address on it, 
but not a return address, although it's expected. It's China and the Solomon Islands. But what do you do? Two things. Number one, do not open the packet. Number two, do not plant the seeds in the packet. Because they have not been able to determine yet at the USDA where it's coming from or what it is. But I've talked a great deal about how you need to fill in that form you get on the airplane when you leave a foreign country to come to the United States. That form that wants to know, have you been on a farm? And what countries have you visited? And are you bringing any items back with you? And there are certain meat items and vegetable items that you cannot bring back into the United States just like they don't want you to open the seed packets and plant the seeds. Because here's the concern. We work very hard to protect our agriculture and to protect the threat of any rampant or invasive species, whether it be livestock or plants. We do our best to keep those items out of the borders of the United States. And so... Please follow those orders and don't plant the seeds to find out what they are. U.S. states, including Washington and Alabama, labeled the shipments as agricultural smuggling. And photos distributed by state agriculture departments show seeds of different sizes, shapes, and colors in white or yellow envelopes. And in this age of the Internet, I guess just about anybody who wants your mailing address will find a way to get it, and that's how they are then able to send it to your address. But again, take the advice of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and don't open the packets, don't plant the packets. You never know what you're going to get. Oh, just one more thing to worry ourselves about uh, this year of the COVID-19. As we take a look at the market prices as we ended the trading day on this Friday, soybean futures rose for a second session as soybean oil futures climbed nearly 2% on demand from the soy-based biodiesel fuel sector. Corn futures ended fractionally higher today, while wheat futures firmed on end-of-the-month position squaring. But one of the ingredients in the uh, markets today is an outlook for a big crop because, frankly, it's been a long time since I can remember at the end of July that we have had good to excellent conditions of our corn and soybean crops. Soybeans got a lift today from the Energy Information Administration data that showed The amount of soybean oil used for biodiesel in May rose 778 million pounds. So as we ended the trading day, here are the prices, and here is where we'll start trading on Monday. The Board of Trade, the September wheat contract up a penny and a quarter at $5.30 and three quarter cents. September corn down three quarters of a penny at $3.15. And August soybeans gained a nickel, the uh, a bushel, to end the week at $8.96 and three quarter cents. 
And then we take a look at the livestock futures at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And we find the August lean hog contract ending the week at $52 a hundredweight. That's up seven, er, up 57 cents. And the August live cattle futures gained a dollar 42 cents. And that's a gain of a $107.90 for the October contract. And the August feeder cattle contract ended the week at a dollar 32 cents a hundredweight or $144.35. So in addition to uh, the uh, packets of seed and the COVID-19 and the hurricane, we do have to continue to watch the market for American grains and livestock at other countries of the world. And those uh, countries have been doing a pretty good job. As a matter of fact, China this past week, two days in a row, purchased the biggest cargoes of U.S. corn in the history of Chinese buying of U.S. corn. They've also been doing a pretty good job of buying the soybeans from the United States. So stay healthy, be well, and be with us again next week for the markets. defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of the Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here to help. 